Hey, I'm Tyler. And I'm Katie. You're listening to Nostalgia, the podcast brought to you by whatever trend your mom was worried about. <laughs> what was you, yours? Like, surreptitiously engaged in, but maybe still turned out okay. And what was your trend? I had one single jelly bracelet that I would put on when I went to school and take off when I came <laughs> home from school. Have you ever revealed this to your mom? Uh, I don't think so, but she listens to the podcast, so sorry, Mom. Wow. I turned out okay. You wore your jelly bracelet, you little subversive kid. Speaking of... Wait, did you have one? You didn't have one, did No, um, as a boy, it didn't really, there was nothing. You could have all the jelly bracelets you wanted. I could have, yeah, no, my mom wouldn't have been worried. No, I don't know, it's just, I do think that's a bit of a gendered thing, you know, like hiding, changing your clothes at school or whatever. So, I got, I got nothing for you. I wish you changed your clothes at school. What, how? Something cooler. What I do have for you is this, Kate. Have you ever seen... Tom and Jerry? Oh, I have sure seen Tom and Jerry. What do you know about them? Tom is a cat. Jerry's a mouse. Tom cat. They do cat and mouse things. Jerry, I think Jerry's real cute, though. I like his energy. He is pretty cute. He's real cute. So you've seen this as a child? Sure. I mean, everyone sees it around. It's in the cultural milieu. It definitely is. What do you prefer, Tom and Jerry, Mickey, Donald, Goofy, or the Looney Tunes? I don't like any of them. I'd prefer to read a book. Sums up this podcast. Um, If I had to pick, just because Jerry is so cute and naughty, I would pick pick Tom and Jerry. (laughs) Well, Kate, you know the term Tom and Jerry originates in 1821. Sure didn't. Here we go. British writer Pierce Egan published a serialized story called Life in London, semicolon, or comma, are you yawning while I'm reading the title? I'm so bored by this. That's fair. Or, comma, the day and night scenes of Jerry Hawthorne Esquire, comma, and his elegant friend Corinthian Tom. That came out in 1821. The story was popular, it was adapted for the stage, it became a whole cultural thing. Was it about men or pets? It was about men. Okay. They were just like two young men who go out drinking and rabble-rousing and get into trouble in 1820s London. I bet they could wear as many jelly bracelets as they wanted, too. (laughs) So what happened was, and this is such a cultural thing that's so old we don't even know it anymore, but Uh Tom and Jerry was just like a thing to say, like Tom, Dick, and Harry. Oh, okay. Look at those Tom and Jerrys out there. Yes, just two young men out out getting in trouble. Okay, got it. Flash forward about 100 years to the 1920s. Okay. In America, you have Walt Disney and Ub Iwerks. Every time I see the name iWorks, I think of the word twerks, and then I think of of iWorks twerking. It's really great. So those two saw great success not twerking, but making theatrical short cartoons, which, you know, as we've talked about many times, because I talk about this nonstop, the history of cartoons, they're cartoons, and they're not the only guys doing this, but they were the most successful. They would be shown, you know, before a movie, between two movies, you know, whatever. First, they were doing this for Universal Pictures with their Oswald the Lucky Rabbit series, and then when they struck it out on their own, they made their Mickey Mouse cartoons and their Silly Symphonies. They pioneered theatrical animated shorts. They kind of helped create the industry. And then lots of other animators started their own studios. Lots of movie studios entered, you know, agreements with independent studios, or they would just start their own in-house division to do animation. So animation is blooming in the 20s and early 30s. So, you know, like among the studios that did this, you have Warner Brothers. They contracted and later purchased a small studio to make their Looney Tunes, you know, so they were do- they were hiring guys to do it. And then they just bought their whole little operation and brought it in-house. So they have Looney 
Looney Tunes competing with Disney's Mickey Mouse characters, but specifically Looney Tunes is competing with Silly Symphonies, even the name, right? They're taking a song, they're making a cartoon based on the song. In the early 30s, MGM, another movie studio, they contracted an independent studio to create cartoons for them. First, they poach Ub Iwerks from Disney. Uh-huh. Uh, Disney and Iwerks had like a little falling out. So Ub Iwerks created a character named Flip the Frog for MGM. That was like their Mickey Mouse in the 30s. And then they hire another studio, in addition to Iwerks, to create their version of Silly Symphonies, which is called Happy Harmonies. I just love Jesus all these like Christ. off-brand Silly Symphonies. Yeah, it's like something you buy at Aldi. <laughs> Mary Melody's Silly Symphony, you know. In 1937, they decide to stop contracting their animation out and decide to create their own internal animation team like Warner Brothers had done. And they're going to hire two guys that we need to talk about here, William Hanna and Joseph Barbera. You know those names, right? I do. <laughs> Scooby-Doo. Yogi Bear. Yeah, you, you got it. Someone else. Scooby-Doo, Yogi Bear, and... We did another one. Yabba-dabba-doo. Oh, the Flintstones. Meet the Flintstones. So, let's talk about these guys briefly. This is kind of our introduction to Hannah and Barbera episode, because Tom and Jerry is the first thing they really do. William Hannah. He was in college studying journalism in 1929, but because the Great Depression happened while he was there, he had to drop out and join the workforce. Why did afford- he just pull himself up by his bootstraps? <laughs> He worked odd jobs, eventually landing a job uh, making title cards for movies. So, you know, when you see the title of the movie in the movie. So he's drawing these, basically. Hmm. Nothing to do with what he was studying, journalism. He improves his drawing skills here. You know, he comes in kind of okay at drawing and obviously learns on the job. And then, because he becomes so good at drawing, he becomes an animator at the Harmon Ising Studio, who at the time were the studio contracted with Warner Brothers, who created the Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies. Harmon and Ising, when we eventually do like Space Jam and Looney Tunes, you'll hear those names more. So basically he's working on not the first big cartoon, Mickey Mouse for Disney, but he's working on like kind of the next big thing, the Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies for Warner Brothers as a young man. And he quickly worked his way up. Like, he was doing a good job, so he becomes the head of ink and paint instead of just a guy who's drawing, like, in-between frames where he started. Harmonizing then came under contract with MGM to create their Happy Harmonies. So like Warner Brothers kind of buys some of the guys, you know, brings in some of the harmonizing guys, but the studio itself isn't fully bought by Warner Brothers. So when they're done working for Warner Brothers, they get hired by MGM. They're doing good for Warner Brothers. MGM wants to recreate that. Mm. So now you have William Hanna working for MGM, working on the Happy Harmonies. Uh, In 1937, when they started their in-house division at MGM, they hire Hanna from harmonizing. Joseph Barbera, he became fascinated with animation after seeing the Disney Silly Symphony, The Skeleton Dance in 1929. You've seen that. Yeah. The Dancing Skeletons. It was in the Disney Halloween treat, some of mm-hmm. it, but it's a very famous cartoon. It's really yeah. cool. So he saw that and became like obsessed with animation. He worked a day job at a bank while he was drawing comics for magazines and taking art classes at night. And in the early 30s, he began his career in the animation industry at Fleischer Brothers. These are the guys who created Popeye and Betty Boop and a bunch of other characters. Uh, then he moves to Van Buren Animation. Then he moves to Terry Toons. These are all huge names in animation back in the day. So he got like a lot of experience working different jobs within animation, working different job titles for different companies. At one point, he's a storyboard artist, then he's in the ink and paint department, then he's creating characters. And in 1937, he also takes a job at the brand new MGM internal animation department. And as fate would have it, his desk is right next to William Hanna. And that's literally how they meet. Just And they fell in love. They Well, they fell in uh, friendship love. So Hanna and Barbera... That's stri- called Philia. <laughs> Never heard it. Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Oh, like brotherly love. Hannah and Barbara, they're, you know, next door desk work buddies. 
They um, fall into totally brotherly love. Yes. Just guy pals animating. They strike up a friendship. They collaborate. You know, they start kind of a partnership at work where just like Disney and iWorks, they'll team up on stuff. And in 1940, three years after the department starts and they get hired, they co-direct and they do have a third director on this, which is Rudolph Ising, animation legend, worked on Oswald the Lucky Rabbit with Disney, worked on the early Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies for Warner Brothers and ended up at MGM. So the three of them, Hanna-Barbera and Ising, co-direct a cartoon called Puss Gets the Boot based on the Aesop fable The Cat and the Mice. I didn't realize until doing this research, but like a lot of this cat and mouse stuff kind of originates in an Aesop fable, other than like them really interacting in real life. There's a famous Aesop fable about it. And it stars a cat named Jasper, the MGM cartoon, and an unnamed mouse, although the storyboards show that they called him Jinx. So Jasper and Jinx, and there's a maid named Mammy Two Shoes. Yikes. Yeah, she's a huge part of the Tom and Jerry thing. It was nominated for Best Short Subject at the Oscars. It didn't win, but that's still a big deal. So MGM gives Hannah and Barbara the green light to make more of these cat and mouse cartoons. They rename the characters Tom and Jerry after that popular thing people say, uh, and they make their second short with the new names in 1941 called The Midnight Snack. The two of them, Hannah and Barbara, made 114 Tom and Jerry shorts between 1940 and 1958. When they left MGM, (laughs) then 46 more Tom and Jerry shorts were made without their involvement throughout the 60s, from 61 to 67. Some of those were directed by Chuck Jones, who's a legendary director, so it's not like they were all terrible. I love the name Chuck Jones. Oh, it's such a good name. You'll hear more of that. Jones. He also directed the Grinch cartoon special. You know, he's a, he invented the Roadrunner and Coyote shorts. He's a great guy, too. I do um, kind of like the Roadrunner and Coyote. Wait till we do some Looney Tunes, Kate. I feel like only because of the Roadrunner's energy. <laughs> you are you have Roadrunner energy. Oh, yeah? Thank you for saying that. Yeah. I take that as a huge compliment. It's because you zip around through life and all of a sudden things work out. Whatever's chasing you doesn't chase you anymore, you know? So the total number of shorts after the ones after they left are 161. There's been a handful of like new ones in the new millennium, but you know, nothing substantial to worth noting. The characters appeared also in the 1945 live action film Anchors Away. Have you ever seen this where Jerry dances with Gene Kelly? It's really... I'm sure I've I'm sure I've seen it. Seems so, like, like a... it sounds I've definitely yeah. seen a man and a mouse dancing. Yeah. It sounds like a movie you would have watched growing up, like an old musical from the 40s. They had their own theatrical animated film in 1992. They recently, I think, just had a live-action CGI thing in 2021. Yeah, they had some music from Lizzo in it. And there have been, like, directed video movies here and there. They've also had a bunch of TV shows, starting in 1975 with the Tom and Jerry show, which, in a nice full-circle way, was produced by Hanna-Barbera Studios. So they created these characters, then they went off and did their own thing. And then, Uh. as fate would have it, when Ted Turner bought the MGM Animation Library in 1986, uh, leading up to him launching Cartoon Network. He also bought Hanna-Barbera Studios in 1991, so he reunited Hanna-Barbera with the Tom and Jerry characters, which is cool. But they did contract work creating Tom and Jerry stuff in the 70s as well, so it's not like they had to completely lose touch with these characters they created. This is the first thing they made before they launched their huge career in the 60s as, you know, very famous TV cartoon creators. So me personally, I always like the Looney Tunes the best out of all the Golden Age cartoon stuff, but I think that might just be because that's, that's because you're a loony too. <laughs> that and it was just on Cartoon Network all the time. Mm-hmm. Tom and Jerry wasn't on as much or not when I was watching. So I don't know if I truly like them the most from an objective standpoint or just because that's what I was exposed to. You know, though I don't 
have this strong nostalgic connection to it. You know, they're highly regarded. I know they're good. I've seen my share of them, and I, I want to give them a more fair shake today. So here's what we're going to watch. Ready? I got okay. three picked out for you. The Yankee Doodle Mouse from 1943. This is okay. the first cartoon to ever win the Oscar for Best Short Subject. Got it. The Cat. Concerto? Concerto? Concerto. Concerto. In 1947, another Oscar winner. I picked the best of the best here, okay. Kate. I'm not coming with anything less than the best today. There's some controversy around this, not because of uh, the racist Mammy Two Shoes, but because of uh, a Looney Tunes short that's very similar, and it was released a little bit before called Rhapsody Rabbit, and there's this debate over... Is that over... the one with the fat horse? No. It's the one where Bugs Bunny plays a piano. Oh. I know you love the Bugs Bunny with the fat horse. Uh, if but you it's don't not... show me Bugs Bunny with this fat horse for the podcast i'm leaving kate i got i got a whole doc full I'm leaving the podcast and i'll put out a statement <laughs> i'll be like please respect our privacy at this time but tyler's gonna have to do the podcast by himself because i didn't get to see the fat horse i will there's a whole google doc that exists of looney tunes ideas i just haven't figured out quite how to crack it yet because it's too important to me so we'd have to do like a bugs bunny episode a daffy duck episode or by creator we'll we'll get there in the meantime Cat Concerto is possibly plagiarized from Rhapsody Rabbit, but they were in development at the same time, so nobody knows. I'm going to say it's plagiarized. Maybe. I love controversy. And finally, Heavenly Puss from 1949. Are you ready to watch these three Tom and Jerry? How short are they going to be? They're eight minutes per. Oh, 24 minutes of my life, Tyler. Come on. I could be using that to watch uh, YouTube of Florida Man. Man, if you're looking for something, just a YouTube rabbit hole to go down, just do Florida Fails. They got alligators, they got ATVs, they got macaws. Look how cute Jerry is. Look at his energy. Look how cute he is. Well, look, a topical joke about an air raid. You gotta laugh at stuff, you know? Okay, so it's like a cat raid, so he's created a little shelter for himself. Yeah, in the 40s, they were like, what is trauma? Who knows? Watch this cartoon about mice. <laughs> Pretty good gags, though. I mean, come on. He's shooting champagne corks like they're cannonballs. And this started right out of the gate. They're not wasting time. No. They've been chasing each other. Yeah, there's no exposition, right? No. It's just right in the middle. They put you in and medias race what makes them very unique is they don't talk you know they don't have voices so this can't be like a looney tune where they explain stuff this is just like a little war cartoon jerry and tom are at war I love this old design, too, because they're just like, they look different than what you imagine Tom and Jerry, right? At least Tom does. Jerry's pretty Tom looks kind of like he's drunk. Jerry's (laughs) cute as heck, though. Look at him. Yeah, Jerry hasn't changed much, but there's something about Tom. He's like rounder. Yeah, he's he's rounder. Yeah. I used to love this as a kid, catching not Tom and Jerry specifically, but like an older Looney Tune where Bugs Bunny looks like older. It's just so interesting to me. Always has been. Look how mad Tom gets. Look at Jerry's little bottle cap hat. Oh my god, he's so I guess, cute. I guess that's his helmet. So obviously all this animation is like perfectly timed with the music. Right. You know, like it, it really is nicely. They have these sheets. I don't know what they're called, but they had these pages that had like kind of like a mix of a storyboard and sheet music on them. So they were timing it down to the frame. Got it. Yeah. That's cool. Because if you think back to the tradition of a silly symphony, the whole point was to synchronize it with music. So yeah. that was that's part of animation's DNA. And now, by now, by the 40s, they're like perfect at it, you know? That's what's so cool about like Hannah and Barbera cutting their teeth at these other studios, yeah. you know? Even though this is the first thing they've really created, they've been working for a decade. So they know what they're doing. God, I, lo- I just love animation so much. I know, baby. Uh-oh. Look oh, out. Oh, man. 
We got I thought we were of... going to get away without blackface, but... No. So Tom's face just blew up, and they had to give him big lips, too. Not great. No. We did talk about Mammy Two-Shoes, right? That's going to be a no for me, dog. Tom and Jerry don't get out of uh, this unscathed without racist garbage. And anybody out there, don't tell us it was a different time. People knew about racism. They were pretty good at it. Yeah, we learned recently that Birth of a Nation, the movie from like 1915, there were tons of protests. Like, this is garbage. This is racist and horrible. So... It was a different time doesn't hold up. Yeah, go ahead. Right in. Tell us it was a different time. You want to fight? (laughs) We'll meet you anywhere, anytime to do fisticuffs if you want to defend racism in old cartoons. Yeah, I'll do it. I'll bring my bat. Look at Jerry's little plane. Yeah. (laughs) These are good gags. He's dropping light bulbs. Jerry's like throwing a banana out of his little plane that he made. And what does Tom want to do? Eat him? I think he's just mad at him, you know? Just from years of... Yeah, look, he's not eating him. He's strapping him to a rocket. To what? Blow him into the stratosphere? I really liked uh, Jerry saluting uh, Tom exploding into an American flag fire show. Firework show. Okay, the Yankee Doodle Mouse. Now it's Cat Concerto. This is a later one, right? He's more angular. A little bit. He just, he spent a little too much time on that Instagram algorithm. Got some work done. It's not what normal people look like, Tom. It's interesting because like, I'm not a pianist, but the notes that he's playing all line up very nicely. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? They're not messing around. All right. So Jerry's just like living inside this piano that Tom's playing this fancy concerto on. Look at his little clothes on the clothesline. Look at his little clothes. His little boxers. He's just a sleepy little guy. This makes a lot more sense as a Tom and Jerry than a Bugs Bunny. Bugs Bunny doesn't have a little foil. Maybe uh, Warner Brothers heard about it and rushed theirs out first, you know? It's funny because I feel like in this, Tom is a more sympathetic character because he's like, worked hard in this concerto and, and Jerry's now just messing it up. That's a good point. You know? It's a very good point. But Jerry's still my favorite. Look how cute he is. He's mad because he lives here and he's been disturbed, but he is completely trying to destroy this performance. His little mad face is pretty funny. It's my face, isn't it? <laughs> he's trying to cut off Tom's <laughs> fingers. Jerry has a pair of scissors. I have nothing to say. I'm mesmerized. I know, me too. Yeah, this whole thing is just me saying, look how cute Jerry is. Correct me if I'm wrong. Have we watched any Golden Age animation on here, on this show? I, I don't think, think this might have. be our first one. Like, look, I love 90s cartoons. I truly do. And they try their best, but this is a whole nother level. I don't want to sound like the wrong generation. Uh-oh, here he is. But the actual provable quality of this. Monsieur Laurent generation. I just mean the the number of frames per second quality. Not like, oh, they were such better writers. But this is something else. Tom's face when he's playing the super sped up concerto (laughs) is all of us. (laughs) Post-COVID. Name Butch. Cause of disease? Lost fight with Bulldog. Pass granted. Frankie. Struck with flat iron while singing on a backyard fence. Pass. And wishes. Oh, so you didn't see the steamroller coming, huh? Go ahead. Fluff, muff, and puff. 
just like Jerry's little tummy. This is a Jerry Stan account. If you don't like it, you can get the heck out. Tom has died. <laughs> he deserved it, too. He sure did. But he Jerry got the best of him. He was killed in a piano accident, also. <laughs> I feel like, based on the number of Golden Age animation cartoons with piano accidents in them, that I was expecting more piano you know, accidents to befall me as an adult. I think a lot of times, did. those things like quicksand are an exaggeration. I believe that piano accidents may have actually been common at this era. He's taking the golden escalator up to heaven. Do you think this is what the afterlife is like? I hope so. Oh, this one's got some dialogue. Yeah. Not not Tom and Jerry, but other characters. This is really sad. It's just yeah. ways cats die. Oh. <gasps> so this cat St. Peter is like letting all the cats into heaven. It's like, oh, you were, you were, uh, you know, struck with a flat iron while singing on the back fence. Like you, you know, got run over by a steamroller. And then all of a sudden you hear this like squishy wet bag coming up the line. And it's like, oh, fluff, muff, and puff. And these three adorable kittens poke their head out, drowned in a bag. Because, you know, in the 40s when you could just drown kittens in a bag. He has to get Jerry to forgive him. Or he has to forgive Jerry. No, I think he has to get Jerry to forgive him or else he's being threatened with hell. They're literally showing him. And it's like a pretty graphic (laughs) representation of hell. All right, so he's got an hour to get this forgiveness. All he's done is try to bribe Jerry with food also. Would that work on you? Uh, probably. A classic piece of 40s media where, like, the bargain is not honored and he goes to hell. You know what I mean? There's, like, no reprieve. Uh, Oh, yes, it is. Look, it is a dream. You've seen Tom and Jerry. All right, that was fun. What did you think? I enjoyed it. Are they not the ideal length, too? Oh, my God. Seven minutes is perfect for me because I have no attention span because my phone's destroying my mind. But they're seven minutes, which is, like, similar in length to, you know, half of most of the 90s cartoons we watch, but it's just, like, I don't, they nail it. Yeah. Those were really fun. And I've never seen they were fun. any of those three, I don't think. Um, Maybe the cat can share too, but I might be thinking of the Bugs Bunny one that's similar. Yeah, it was super fun. <sighs> I liked how cute Jerry was, Jerry's energy, mostly things about Jerry. Um, <laughs> I liked the music. Even though it was like kind of manic, I, I feel like it really lined up great with the animation. Mm. Well, Kate, enjoy it while it lasts, because that's the only high-quality animation you're going to see from Hannah and Barbara. Because on our very next episode, which I'm going to put out the same day as this one. Why? So, listeners, it's it's in the feed right now. You can go listen to it. Uh, we're going to watch Rough and Ready, which is the first thing Hannah and Barbara make for television when they strike it out on their own. And we'll learn about their journey to that point of their lives in that episode so things are going to take a bit of a downgrade in terms of pure quality of animation but man were those good so tom and jerry i highly recommend it even if uh you're like me and you haven't really seen it a whole heck of a lot that was that's really fun just scroll up or down in your feed and check out rough and ready learn more about hannah and barbara thanks for listening kate thanks for watching some tom and jerry with me that was a joy Watching Tom and Jerry on Cartoon Network.